Welcome to In Conversation, the podcast that fuels your entrepreneur spirit. Brought to you by Inhomoko. We deliver thought-provoking conversations with industry leaders, game changers, and unsung heroes, all making an impact in their communities and shaping the future of business. Let's grow together and transform the world, one business at a time. My name is Gakwaya Mutestebara and I'm a business associate at Ingomoko. I work in market linkages. So I'm excited to really have you here at Conversation Podcast. If you'd kindly uh, introduce yourself. Um, it's always a, a pleasure speaking about uh, Kunda, this journey, and thinking that, wow, uh, we are at the point where we can speak about something. So that's super positive. My name is Josephine. Uh, I'm a, a Haitian French. Uh, I grew up in Haiti uh, my whole life until I was 17. Uh, went to study in Canada and then Switzerland. I had a career mostly in uh, sustainability and I was working in the luxury uh, industry in Switzerland. And then I came to Rwanda for this new adventure. To kick things off, could you share with our audience your career journey and what inspired you to establish Kunda Gelato and what's the unique story behind the choice to establish it in Rwanda? So as I said, I was working in Switzerland in the luxury industry and sustainability. I was working a lot on uh, gemstone supply chains and, um, mm-hmm. and how to build sustainable supply chains or at least responsible ones. It's uh, love that brought me to Rwanda because uh, my husband is Rwandan. Rwanda was doing such incredible things, were calling their diaspora to come to contribute to the country. And I really encouraged him and I pushed for us to go on this adventure together to come to Rwanda. So I think it's the first, it was a personal story to Rwanda uh, before it becoming a, a professional adventure and journey. And it's my father that gave me the idea of doing the, the gelato. The, so it, gelato is Italian ice cream through a conversation. And he told me, you should go and learn in Italy. And uh, at first, I didn't take it seriously. But then when I came to Rwanda for a trip, I started looking at the market and seeing that maybe it's not the product that everyone is waiting for, but I think it could fit in the, way, the lifestyle that people are having more and more here. And this is where I then went to Italy, learned how to do it, bought my machines, came back to Rwanda, started building the company to RD, go to RDB, uh, register it, and then all the steps that you can imagine uh, until now. Thank you for sharing the inspiring story of why you chose Rwanda as the home for Kunda Gerato. Could you share more about the role that culture and local flavors play in your artisanal gelato? And how this aligns with Kunda's identity? A product is interesting, but a product is replaceable. A brand <laughs> is harder. A brand, if you make a strong brand, then you, you have a possibility to actually keep market shares and build up you know, your market shares. And uh, so since the start, I thought, okay, how do I, s- I do the product and the brand at the same time? And for the brand, I really wanted to honor also the fact that Wanda allowed me to be there. And uh, I think coming from Haiti, I don't take from granted the fact that I can be in a country and build a business and be safe and uh, have opportunities. And I thought also it's such a rich culture and, there, and it's history and people's behaviors. I, I really wanted to integrate that. 
and also to differentiate because just making another gelateria or food company that has a like foreign name, I saw it from the beginning as a fusion, of course, of Wandan culture, but also infused what is my own identity, meaning my Haitian culture and food, it's very important and really bring it together and find ways to express this culture throughout our brand, throughout our products and uh, throughout our logo and really make sure that people feel at the same time something they can connect with here in Rwanda. And then if we move to local flavors, it's definitely a big inspiration because I thought, wow, we have so much flavors. The possibilities are endless. We can do so many things. It can be, uh, it's just our imagination is the limit. And sometimes it takes, it takes another perspective on something to realize how rich we have something like, and definitely bringing the gelato and showing how some products that we eat every day, like the banana and a gelato can just show us how great it is that we have it in the first place. And so this is a, a very, very big part of it. Actually, if I can give you an example that I think for this, it was the big success for me is uh, the one around guava because I thought guava is so good. Let me do something with it. And I did it and it was really amazing. I added a twist of like lime zest. And once some of my Rwandan friends started tasting it, it became super emotional for them and their memories. They were telling me, oh my God, Amapera, this yeah. is, <laughs> you know, it mm. reminds me of my childhood. And mm. everyone had a story around guava, Amapera, because they were saying it this way. And I was like, wow, like it's the, the emotion that food can bring. And it's the whole point of what we're trying to do, especially for Kunda Gelato, because Kunda Foods is, of course, about transformation and about keeping the value inside the country. And people here benefiting not only because uh, there is more money coming, but also because we, we create uh, higher skilled people, uh, we share knowledge, we trans transfer knowledge actually in the country. Kunda Gelato needs to be about emotions, needs to be about shared moments. And, uh, and I think this is what we're trying to do. Entrepreneurship often involves taking bold steps. What were some of the key moments or turning points that defined your path in founding and growing Kunda Foods? I think every, every step is bold, especially at the beginning, because um, it's very scary. The, the first thing is actually to decide, okay, I'm going to go for it. It's uh, very scary. It's the leap of faith to say, okay, now I'm, I'm actually putting my money, I'm putting my time, I'm going to give the next months, years of my life to something. So obviously, when I decided to go to Italy to learn, it was a first step, but it could have stopped there. Many people in my, in my class actually stopped there when uh, I was in Italy. The really bold step was when I used my money and my, uh, my savings to buy my machines, actually, that would come and import them to Rwanda. You're setting up a production lab. You're setting up, uh, you know, you're training people to do production with you. That was a big step. And then the, the last one that I would say was definitely the opening of the gelato shop. It was a, a big moment because it wasn't planned that it would arrive so soon in our plan. At first, we thought that we would spend some time doing the delivery, the gelato by delivery. But then we realized that actually... Before people can connect to a brand, they still need to go through the product. And before people can go through the product and understand why it's 
for example, more expensive than other gelatos? What's the difference? They need to actually taste it. Your offering is quite unique. Uh, when it comes to crafting and introducing your products, what have been your most significant challenges and triumphs? I think for challenges, the first one, and, and it's a triumph as well at, at the end, was uh, before starting the entrepreneurial journey and all the things that you have to learn as an entrepreneur, it was a new culture. It was a very big adventure. I didn't uh, know this culture well. I had everything to learn, you know, and uh, it was for me to adapt to the situation and find the right language, the right behaviors, to connect with the people in Rwanda to make sure that I could achieve my goals. This, I think, was really a learning experience through entrepreneurship also because you meet people so different, like between your suppliers, between uh, the team at RDB that help you for every step to make sure that I understand well not only for me to do run my business, but then to understand who's my market, what are their expectations, what are their aspirations, because I can do the greatest products if it's not well adapted to what the market wants, then it's not going to work. And it's normal. And that's the reality everywhere. So I would say that's the first challenge and a big one. And it's, it continues to be one because uh, people are at the core. You manage people. If you think in terms of a HR perspective, how do you keep people motivated? How do you make sure that you're treating them in a way where they always feel respected, that you're not uh, creating tension for them to be there? And yeah, it's, it's a different culture. And I think that is a learning experience. I ask my team for feedback, like say, okay, can I say that in this way? And uh, they are very patient and explain it to me. And of course, after the challenges are some, most I think for many entrepreneurs, they will echo the cash. You usually don't have a lot of cash. You shouldn't have too much cash to start with. That's a, a belief that I have, uh, but you should have enough that you're not blocked. And it's always hard to balance. Also, at first, you're investing, 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 but you have no revenue. How do you continue doing this investment and not cut off on things that will, you will pay later? So, for example, here, one of the advice everyone gave me was don't mess with your taxes. Take a very good accountant from the beginning. But it's true that, you know, paying a good accountant from the beginning is an investment, but it's an investment you need to do. And then the success and things that at least I'm proud of. I don't know if we can speak of success yet because uh, there are so much in front of us. But definitely, I'm very, very proud of the team that I built. We're not a big team, but uh, the people I recruited are people that I've seen change and evolve so much, take responsibilities, take ownership. And I think a lot of people told me that it was hard to do that, especially as a startup. You can empower people as long as you, you empower them thinking of like what can fit in the culture, what can fit in their reality. And uh, I'm very proud that my teams, they are able to, to do their work with pride and well and uh, have accountability on what they're doing. And uh, the other day, one of my team, we were doing interviews and he, he took the lead and presented the company Honestly, better than I would. I was so proud. I was like, wow, this is exactly the goal. It's like a company should not rest on one person. That's a, a, another conviction that I have is that you're a founder, but you don't own 
all of the company. You, you need to give some directions of what's Kunda and what's not Kunda, but the rest, you need to transmit exactly that so that they can ensure that they can continue this in their daily work. And to see that uh, he was able to, to share that and uh, it was really a great moment of pride. So many entrepreneurs draw inspiration um, from those who've come before them. Can you tell us about any mentors or figures who have influenced your entrepreneurial journey and the values that drive Kunda Foods? I think the first inspiration for me, and a very big one, is Haiti and my Haitian culture, because we are a country of entrepreneurs, because we are a country where basically the government is non-existent in terms of uh, structures, government, governance, etc. So this is my biggest inspiration to see that people that I know or I don't know are making solutions, finding solutions to do business in a country like this. Would say I would say it's the biggest one. Then my parents, both my parents are entrepreneurs in Haiti. I grew up in this this environment, and of course it changes your perspective on many things. And I, and I have to say, my father, he gives me a lot of advice. He's been an entrepreneur in Haiti. It's like his advice or not like entrepreneur, a company in, in France or in Switzerland. I think it's very applicable to, to Rwanda in many ways. And then finally, inspiration, but also I feel a lot of gratitude for entrepreneurs in Rwanda or people in Rwanda. I felt support and the transparency from certain people here that have built their company, big or small, some people, they are starting and they found a way to still help me, to still share information, give me some advice, sometimes do even more. I have a friend, he, he just has started his, his construction company, Kivu Construction, and he found the time and the, he gave me the time to build my shop with me at a moment where of course, I don't have a lot of cash and every investment is challenging. This, these things are, it's inspiring and you feel so grateful and you remember that when you will be in the position to also continue that. So it helps you go so much faster. Ingomoko's mission is to empower entrepreneurs in East Africa. What are three core values or principles that have been essential in your entrepreneurial leadership, which might resonate with the entrepreneurs Ingomoko serves? I think partnerships are key because uh, we, we are in a, an ecosystem and uh, wherever we live, we actually need others to, to live and to succeed and to remember that we will all benefit by, you know, the private sector growing here in Rwanda. By having better suppliers, you will have better products. By having better Building companies, we will have better structures and more interesting concepts to propose. And so all of that, we need to really remember that it's, it's good that there are more people because if we do want one day to have a, a unicorn in Rwanda, we will need to have an ecosystem around it to support it. I think don't underestimate the ecosystem, create trust, speak and communicate because uh, it's hard. For example, I told one of my suppliers that I could not pay uh, her 100% uh, uh, right away. And I asked for two payments. And I was so surprised that she accepted because she's struggling as well. And I think because I communicated with her, 
she could organize. She knows that I'm trying to build the business. So she supported. You realize that you can rely on your ecosystem and to build this trust through communication and through like consistency and reliability. I think part of the success of at least the boutique until now was this partnership. I cannot say for the future, but I, I think it will be a big part of it. Then I would say that um, it's important to really remember that an entrepreneur is not a technician. Like it's not because you're good at something that this is your job. And I think this is something that me, I was very careful about, but also it was easier because uh, doing gelato was not my, my career before. So I learned it and the goal of creating a company. But sometimes people, they start a company because they know how to do something. But then when you have a company, the technical aspect should be one part, is one, one third of it. Then you have to be a manager. You need to manage your day-to-day. -day. You need to implement the vision then that you have to define for your company. And it's really the balancing of vision, implementation, and technical skills that you need to balance through that, I would link one of the solutions that I found actually in a book that I strongly recommend for entrepreneurs is called the E-Myth, Entrepreneurial Myth. And it's super interesting because it does speak about this technician, entrepreneur, manager kind of balancing, and also the importance of building systems. You need to, to think how this business can run without me. And no one should be absolutely necessary. This is an ego thing also that we need to remove is that we are necessary for the business, but it should be able to continue without you. If you're sick, you still need to pay, pay people. Your clients, they still want gelato. So it needs to continue. And this book really resonated and I used it as a tool to start building systems, for example, operation manuals and really organize my company as a system. And so people that come in the company to work they can work inside the system. And even things that you feel are like, yeah, your values and your, the emotional part, this also has to be shared and transmitted as a system inside the system. So that's the second thing. And the last thing I would share is, um, yeah, about spending money because at first you have nothing and it's very hard and it's good, I said before, and I, th I still think that, that you start also without too much because it helps you really prioritize and understand what is absolutely necessary for me to continue and go to the next step and what could be for later. Learning this balance early on is easier than I think after then realizing you're into debts and then uh, having to cut costs and fire people or sell a part of your business. But you really need to be careful of not being cheap because that's a big problem. And cheapness brings cheapness. And uh, if you're cheap, you will have cheap products. You will have cheap people. You will have cheap behaviors. It creates a cheap mindset. And I think, especially me, I wanted to create a high-end product. But I think it's really for everything. It can be a, a cheap product in terms of the, the price. But the mindset cannot be cheap. Summarize it and be frugal. Don't be cheap. Kunda Gelato is a shining example of introducing international products to local markets using local ingredients. From your journey, what advice would you offer to aspiring entrepreneurs, especially those who are keen to create businesses with a strong social or environmental impact? I think uh, first it goes back to, you know, understanding the people in your market and how 
how it can fit in people's lifestyles. And so that's super important. If we take the wider question on like how to create a business with social and environmental impact, you see it in um, more um, countries uh, from Europe or North America, where it's like business and social and environmental are completely separated. And it is because it is separated, unfortunately, because they've done business for so long without taking that into account. But I think when we are in countries, and I think Wanda is really a shining example of that, where it's super pro-business, but the social aspect is at the core of it. You cannot take a decision. Well, that's what I, I see. It's like the government, they take decisions to promote businesses, but the question of the social and environmental impact is there. And it's not like a balance. It's not like CSR. It's sustainability and the truest sense of sustainability, meaning how can it be sustainable for the ages to come, the way we do things economically, socially, environmentally. And so I think the chance we have in Rwanda is that we should all take that as a philosophy from the beginning. So not separate it. We're making money because with these profits, we can pay taxes, we can employ people, we can share knowledge, and also we can make things in a right way from the beginning. So if you destroy your environment, at some point you will pay it because you, will, you won't realize, but we will end up paying more taxes for the trash we create, everything. If uh, we don't invest in our people, then at the end you won't have people that are qualified to work in your business. And this will threaten the whole existence of your business. So I think it needs to be taught holistically. Here in Rwanda, we can really take the, the philosophy of the country as a, a guide to get into our companies, to really make sure that this is at the core. It doesn't like, you don't have to be a social business. You just have to be a business knowing that you're in an ecosystem you're dependent on others. We're dependent on everyone going up with us uh, as businesses. Great. Uh, that's what I also like to call being a conscious entrepreneur <laughs> who really cares about everything that is important in business and uh, in the environment. Uh, maybe now going to the last question. In the world of business, strategies can evolve. Um, can you share any exciting future plans or a vision of what Kunda Foods might look like in the next decade? Of course, the next decade seems so big and so short at the same time. The growth of Kunda Gelato, we really see it as something that will go through geographical expansion. I, I believe we should always keep this idea that we can get infused by wherever we are there are inspirations to take that will not, you know, destroy our, our core identity. And it's that, this interaction that we want to create, that I want to create in the future in Kunda and different countries, hopefully East Africa to start and then uh, other countries uh, in the continent. And let's say, honestly, pop-ups in, in Europe and the US. And then the, for Kunda Foods as a company, uh, the goal is to start first by expanding to the production of fine food products that are still high quality, but still transforming local products, seeing how we can transform that into products that can be used first for local tourist uh, market, but also as an export that we can send elsewhere. And finally, my beginning was to build a food transformation company. 
And the idea is that all of these steps will bring me to this at some point and to, to really have the knowledge of the market and of a business so that I can not only create a production facility that can be in the industrial, but find the right products that are relevant to produce locally, industrially, not only for exports, but also for local market. Because if we want, uh, you know, have an impact on our, even our import-export balance, we need to then reduce some imports of things we can produce ourselves for our local markets. So that's the goal. Thank you so much. And thank you really for making time to share all this knowledge. Thank you so much, Deborah. At Inhomoko, we're dedicated to empowering entrepreneurs across Africa with the tools, resources, and knowledge they need to flourish in today's competitive business landscape. Now we're bringing that passion to this podcast, taking you on a journey through inspiring stories from around the globe.